very much. Good to be here. I'm a little bit nervous. I've just put my glasses on over this mic, and they're a bit loose. So if I get a bit animated and they just fly off, then uh, that's a free gift for someone this morning. <laughs> as Jesus was breathing his last breaths on the cross as he died, I don't know if you caught it earlier uh, in, the, in the readings, it says this in three accounts in the Bible. Darkness came over the land, for the sun stopped shining. It was just reaching noon, the brightest part of the day, and then for three hours, the sun just stopped. Darkness. Could you imagine what it would be like if that happened today? It's kind of a nice day outside. We'll be done in time to get home for noon, probably, so you can go home, maybe planning a barbecue or something after, the, after church. Noon's a bit early for lunch, but you've got to prepare the coals. And you go out to, to light the barbecue, and suddenly just, boom, blackness. It'd be quite an event, wouldn't it? Social media would doubtless be a buzz. Everybody tweeting, Facebooking, did the sun just go out for everybody else? <laughs> And you just know everybody would be trying to Instagram it, and you just have post after post after post of blackness, <laughs> trying to get edgy shots of it. <laughs> it would be all over the news, wouldn't it? It would be the news cycle for weeks and weeks and weeks, and you know that someone, somewhere, somehow, would link it to Brexit. <laughs> it would be the talk of the news cycle for weeks and weeks and weeks. Why did this happen? How did this happen? There'd be theories all over the place. That was, that was what it would be like now. But for then, it was an unusual, significant event as well. This wasn't just something that happened when you crucified a man. It wasn't just part of the package. Man dies on cross and sun cuts out. This was a significant moment. And the question is, why, when Jesus died, specifically, did this happen? Why did darkness envelop the whole world? Well, we get some clues from the birth of Jesus. In the Gospel of John, in the Bible, in the first chapter, which is very much the alternative Christmas story for anybody that knows it, you don't get any, uh, you don't get any angry innkeepers or shepherds in this account. Simply, John says this, for the birth of Jesus. The true light that gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And it's not just John that says this of Jesus, but Jesus himself says, I am the light of the world. Although perhaps in a slightly more Geordie lilt than uh, I just said, as with our reader earlier. As Jesus came in, to the world, the light of the world. It was the fact that this man was not just a man, but he was the light. The fact that he was the light of the world was the very thing that attracted so many people to following him. They perhaps wouldn't have been able to put it in this kind of language and perhaps not actually known exactly what was going on, but it, the reason that people would leave their whole lives and leave everything they had behind to follow this man was because they intuitively sensed, this man can help me. He can solve some of the problems. He can answer some of the questions that I've got about life. In this world of darkness, there seems to be something so attractive about this man. 
He was the true light. And although not everybody saw it, and not everybody perceived that this was the true light that the world had in it, the darkness that filled the world when this true light died was absolutely unavoidable. It was the darkest of days. It's an expression that we're somewhat familiar with, isn't it? We all have a darkest day. A day of, that's been the most painful or difficult in our lives. Probably don't have to search your memory too much to bring it to mind. Perhaps it was a difficult phone call, hearing news of a loved one. Or maybe a conversation with a doctor or a surgeon. You can remember it so vividly, the darkest day you've had. There are many forms of darkness in our world, many sources of it. Confusion, fear, loss. The one thing that is common across all sorts of all of the different forms of darkness is that they all cause suffering and pain. Intuitively, we all know that darkness is suffering and pain. And this is actually the the reason that the day that Jesus died was the darkest day. It wasn't the darkest day because the sun stopped shining. It was the darkest day because the true light went out. The one who could offer and help our darkest moments, that could bring a solution to our darkest days, that could shine light in our darkness, the true light was extinguished. Leaving the light, the world, once more in total darkness. Leaving the world and all those that are in it to be trapped in pain and suffering forever. The light's gone out. And yet, today is not a day for mourning. Today is not a day for sadness. Today, we celebrate. Because just as the sun's light was not extinguished forever on that day, but only went out for a short time before the sun was then reawakened and its light filled the world once more, so the light of Jesus Christ could only be suppressed and extinguished by the darkness for a short time. There he was, the lifeless body of Jesus Christ lying in the tomb, certifiably dead, certifiably buried, certifiably no more. Consumed by darkness in that tomb. Lying there for three days. For three days, but for no longer. No longer than three days, because it was then that God the Father came to his Son and he breathed life into him again, breathed light into him again. And this man rose 
a new man, a new creation, with life in him again, and walked out of that tomb, the light of the world shining brighter than before, never to be extinguished again. And the darkness, the darkness thought that it had won. The darkness had won. But just for a moment, the darkness had won. Just for a moment. You see, Jesus willingly chose to go into the darkness. He entered the realm of darkness by choice. For one reason, bearing the pain that it takes for him to do that, so that he could confront the darkness. So that he could not only confront the darkness, but he could defeat the darkness. He allowed himself to be mastered and overcome by darkness so that he could master and overcome it himself. He said, this is the day. This is the day I am dealing with darkness. This is the day I'm dealing with your greatest pain, the, the, the most difficult times in your life. This is the day that I'm dealing with them. I am sorting the problem of darkness out once and for all. As he came out of that tomb, the moment that Christ's Lifeless body was once again filled with light, once again filled with life. Darkness has had its day. It was finished. And you know why he did this? He did it for us. He did it so that we might be free. We might be free from darkness. He did it so that we might be free from the grip of addiction in your life, that it would no longer have to control you. He did it so that we could be free from the weakening and consuming effect of terminal illness. He did it so that we could be free from the anxiety that nearly stopped you coming out of your house this morning. He did it so you could be free from the birth defects and the disabilities that make us feel trapped in our own bodies. He did it so we'd be free from the piercing pain of grief and loss. He did it so that we could be free from our greatest enemy. The ultimate agent of darkness, death itself was defeated that day. We no longer have to fear these things. They have been defeated And you might think, well, how can that be? Because when I woke up this morning, I still know darkness in my life. I still know the power of darkness. Today, I found it difficult to face the day just like I do every day. Or this week, I know I still have to go for treatment, just as I have done before. I still feel like an outcast from my family. I still know the pain of rejection. If all of these things have been defeated, why are they still part of my life? Well, that is because we live in a time where the darkness has been defeated, but also a time where it is being defeated. And the message of the resurrection is a triumphant display of the victory of Christ over the powers of darkness. And it is also a promise of victory over the powers of darkness. And that is why this promise that Jesus makes through his resurrection is a promise to us. It's why this now 
the resurrection 2,000 years ago on Easter Sunday can benefit us today in Nottingham, 21st century, and can help us. Because no matter how surrounded by darkness we might feel, no matter how consumed by darkness, cornered in, hemmed in by the powers of darkness, and for some of us here this morning, that is an accurate description of what you would say your life is like. The resurrection of Jesus shows us that however much we might feel like the darkness is surrounding us, there is always light at the end of the tunnel. There is always, however distant it might appear, however distant it might feel, the light is there. Darkness cannot win. Darkness cannot consume us. It cannot overtake us. Darkness does not win. We can know light in our life today. And we can see the light in our life today. There's always hope. And hope is a funny word that we use today when you compare it to how the Bible talks of it. When we talk of hope, we often talk about things that we really want to happen, but we're not quite sure if they will happen. I really hope that I get that new job that I've applied for. I really hope that Duncan will stop speaking soon and we can go for lunch. (laughs) Or we use it for something specific that we we know there's absolutely no chance it's going to happen. I hope that England will win the World Cup next year for instance. But when the Bible speaks about hope that we have because of the resurrection of Jesus, it speaks of hope in very different terms. One biblical scholar who summarizes how hope is spoken of in the Bible describes it like this. Hope is a confident expectation, a confident expectation of future blessings to be received by God. A confident expectation. Paul, one of the writers in, uh, in the New Testament in the Bible, in his letter to the Romans, says, hope in God does not disappoint. Put simply, the resurrection of Jesus 2,000 years ago promises us that today and in our lives, in God, the best is yet to come. Because of the resurrection, the best is yet to come in our lives. And that means that we can have hope for today and hope for tomorrow in our lives, that however much pain we have in our lives now, however much we have in our past, we can hope and trust in God that he will deliver some measure of breakthrough in our lives tomorrow. Some measure of freedom from some of the things that have plagued our past and plague our present. We can trust and believe in him because he can. Darkness has been defeated. That our lives don't have to be characterized by pain and suffering. But you know, the hopes that we have in today or tomorrow and God breaking through in our lives here on earth, we can hope in those things, but the hope in those things pales in comparison to what is our great hope our great hope that one day in his perfect timing when he deems it right Jesus Christ is returning to this earth. Jesus is coming back. And on that day 
Darkness in this world will be completely overcome. We will be completely set free from everything that we still struggle with. We won't just see a measure of breakthrough. We won't just see a measure of freedom. We will see complete freedom on that day. Darkness will be thoroughly driven out of the world. It will have to flee. It will have to flee the life-giving, freedom-bringing, death-defeating, brilliant and holy light of Jesus Christ when he comes back. It won't have a chance. That light is going to be so glorious. That day, the Bible describes it like this. It says, there will be no need for a sun or a moon. No need for a sun or a moon. Because... The glory of God will give that world light. That is what's happening when he comes back. The brilliant light of God casting out darkness. And so I cannot promise you that in this life you will know total freedom from cancer or total freedom from disability or total freedom from depression. We can trust in God for those things and believe in him and keep asking him for it because he has defeated the darkness. But I can promise you this, that a day is coming. A day is coming one day in the future where all that have chosen him, all that have chosen to follow him, put their trust in him, live for him, not just on this earth now, but all that have chosen in the past to follow Jesus will be freed from darkness. One day is coming where no matter what your current circumstances, no matter how bad or good life seems now, the best is very much to come. Total freedom from darkness. The Bible describes it just like this. God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. So the old order has passed away. That's the day I'm living for. And it's this hope that we have today for tomorrow, this confident expectation that the best is yet to come, that actually helps us today. It changes us. It helps how we see life how we see our circumstances. Because not only can we believe that tomorrow will be better, but we can live for the beauty of that day. We can know real comfort in our darkness, and we can even find the strength to celebrate. Because we know that the circumstances we're in now will not define us forever. We can look forward to all that the resurrection today promises for tomorrow.